أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيب قلوبنا وشفيع ذنوبنا وطبيب نفوسنا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد اللهم صل على محمد وعلى محمد وعجل فرجهم وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائم على أعدائهم أجمعين Assalamualaikum dear brothers and sisters I hope everyone is doing well inshallah Tonight inshallah we will continue with the last portion or the last session on the tafsir of Suratul Insan The whole surah is 31 verses and I believe today is the 8th session So inshallah with these 8th sessions we'll wrap up the surah and we'll move on to the next surah Which is going to be Suratul Haqqa uh, that, that is the 69th surah of the Quran who, though, For those who might want to take a look at the surah before we start uh, Next week inshallah um, But inshallah today we will be finishing suratul insan We ended here where the Quran was saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described to the Prophet The punishment of those who are in hellfire He also described in detail The blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided And prepared for the human being that is going to enter into heaven. And if you remember, the description of hellfire was much, much shorter than the description of heaven as it relates to this surah, which is Suratul Insan. So in one verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described hellfire, and then it moved on to heaven, and that's where the long description came from. And after all of this, here in verse 23, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then turns to his prophet. And he says, based on everything that we said, now he has certain commands when it comes to the Prophet himself. So these commands are going like this. And these are verses that we slightly covered in our previous session. But inshallah today we're going to take a new look at them. It says verse 23, We have certainly sent down this Quran to you gradually. So be patient when it comes when it comes to the command of your Lord, and do not obey from them the disbeliever or the sinner. And it's really referring to the same group of people, which are the disbelievers, which are the kuffar, which are those who knowingly disbelieve in the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After that, he says, and remember the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the in the morning and in the evening. And at nighttime, remember him. And during these, these long nights, do sajda for him. Okay. These were verses 23 to 25, which we had slightly covered in our previous session. Now if you pay attention, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the whole theme of Suratul Insan was giving us a picture of what this insan is going to go through. From the very beginning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that the human being was a drop of fluid, we created him, and then we showed him the right path and the wrong path, inna hadaynahu sabil, imma shakiran wa imma kafura. And if he is shakir, this is the description of heaven, and if he is kafir or kafur, as the Qur'an says, then this is the description of the hellfire that awaits him. This is what we covered so far. Now the Qur'an then turns to the Prophet. He says, Ya Rasulullah, we have certainly sent down this Qur'an to you. Fasbir lihukm rabbik. So be patient when they come to you and they ask you to leave this message, when they come to you and they pressure you 
when they come to you and they try to influence you, be patient and stick to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا تُتَعْمِنْهُمْ Don't obey them. And then the, the third set of verses says that now that you don't want to obey them and you want to be patient, the key to this is وَذْكُرْ Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there is a gradual uh, ideology or a gradual step-by-step uh, -step process Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is picturing for us in these verses. First of all, Ya Rasulullah, you know this Qur'an was revealed to you. In other words, this message that you're carrying, it's not something you came up with. This is coming from a divine source for you. Okay, now that you have this foundation, now that you know that this message is divine, this message is coming to you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is coming to you from your Creator, now that you have this foundation, fasbir. Because you're not dealing with it just as a normal human being, rather there is a divine message that has inspired you, now you are to be patient because you know what you are saying is truthful. And this is where essentially the foundation of the human being lies. If the human being has any doubts about the foundation that he's standing on and whether this foundation is a divine foundation or not, whether this foundation is a foundation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not, he will not be able to fasbir. He will not be able to be patient. He will not be able to stick to right to the right path. Why? Because he doesn't know. He's not sure. These things that I believe in, are they really true or not? So first Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, know that this Qur'an, we have revealed it to you. And we have revealed it gradually to bring calmness and tranquility to your heart and the hearts of the mu'mineen and the believers. So that's the foundation. Now that you know this, and now that you know you're carrying a divine message from us, فَاصْبِرْ لِحُكْمِ رَبِّكَ Now that you have this foundation, you have to be patient now. Because they might say a lot of things, they might do a lot of things, but you are standing on a deep, deep and solid foundation. Because you're standing on this foundation, these winds and breezes that come and go, they shouldn't be able to affect you. Be patient and stick to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't waver from it. And don't obey any of their sinners and any of their disbelievers. And as I said, these two are referring to the same group. Except sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at a person in the sense that he has rejected the message. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls this person a kafir. Sometimes he's looking at the same person, but from the perspective that he is sinning and he has corruption, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to him as Athim, the one who has Ithm. This is not Asim. Asim, the, the people that we know around us who might have known have, have the name Asim, that name is Asim. It's different. This is Athim. Yes? Athim means the one who is a sinner. So it's the same person, the one who's rejected the message, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is looking at the same person from two different perspectives. Either way, do not obey them. Now, there is discussion as to who this person is. Some have said it's Abu Jahl, some have said Abu Lahab. It doesn't matter really for us who this individual is as it relates to the Sha'an and Nuzul of these verses. But the second part is you have to be patient and you have to stick to the message because you have that foundation. Okay, so you have this foundation, number one. Number two, fasbir, be patient. Number three, see these are essentially Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is building on the previous verses. Be patient, but how is the Prophet supposed to be patient now? The only way for the Prophet to now be patient, number three, وَذْكُرِ اسْمَ رَبِّكَ بُكْرَةً وَأَصِيلًا 
Now remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the morning and in the afternoon. And there's discussion this morning and this afternoon. Is it referring to the salats that we pray? Is it referring to just remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is it referring to the five salats or particular uh, salats from these five salats? There's discussion amongst the mufassirin. But what you understand from the verses is the step-by-step -step plan. You have a solid foundation. If you have a solid foundation, now you can be patient and you can stick to it because it has a foundation. And if you want to be able to stick to it, you have to remind yourself of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no one who can be patient in this world unless that they remind themselves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why we find on the 10th of Muharram, according to some narrations, when Ali and Al-Asqar was struck with the arrow, we find Imam Al-Hussein said what? He said, or It's easy for me today to take this. The fact is that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching me, because I can feel the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is why I can be patient with this. But take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of this picture, take this foundation out of the picture, then fasbir, be patient, it no longer makes sense anymore. Stick to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it no longer makes sense anymore. And so I'll make this one point before we move on. If you find a person, either myself or someone else, who lacks in terms of their understanding when it comes to the fundamental beliefs of Islam. This person, he can never stick to the message of the Quran. He can never stick to the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can't expect this person to be practicing these teachings when his foundation is a weak foundation, when he's not sure deep down that this is a divine message. And this is something that unfortunately, as communities, we have failed at. We have failed, particularly when it comes to our youth and our children, explaining to them why this foundation is a divine foundation. Why the message of the Qur'an is a divine message. Yes, everyone can sit there and say, yes, the Qur'an is a miracle. But why? This is important. And if someone doesn't find the answer to this question, then you can't expect this person when things get difficult for him to stick to this message because it was never proven for him. It was never established for him. It never sunk in for him that this is in fact a divine message. See, the Quran only tells the Prophet to be patient after what? We were the ones who sent this Quran upon you. And you know this. Now, fa, therefore, isbir. You can stick to it. You're not going to waver. But if someone doesn't have this foundation, then he's going to easily waver left and right. Normally, when we look at an individual and we want them to practice Islam, instead of working on the foundation, what do we work on? We work on the results of that foundation. We work on actually this person practicing this teaching or that teaching or that teaching, which is fine. But unless you work on that foundation, then this person's understanding of the religion is going to be so superficial that he's not going to feel like it's a strong foundation to stand on. And again, like I said, our youth and our children, this is what they're dealing with. Because many times in our centers, in our majalis, in our programs, whatever the case is, the goal, instead of working on that foundation, has always been what? Working on the results of that foundation, which is praying, which is fasting, which is your dress code, which is not having you know haram relationships with the opposite gender, which is all of these different teachings that we have in Islam. Yes, These are all the, the results. This is all after you take care of the foundation. But if the foundation is not a strong one, then it's not fair, really, to expect someone to stick to these practices. 
Yes, if someone can, is not convinced when it comes to the foundation, the practices they will not be able to stick to. Temporarily, maybe. While they're young, maybe. But as they get older and they want to decide for their own and for their own lives, then obviously if it's not something solid, then they can't build their whole life around it. Right? If you're expecting them to build their whole life around practicing the teachings of Islam, well then you have to show them and teach them how Islam is a divine message. So you see how the Quran is building on the previous verses, yes? So these three steps. And then the Quran says, if you want to be patient, the only way to do that is to constantly remind yourself of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the point that we pointed out in some of our previous sessions. That this salat that we pray, our understanding is that we pray for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? As if He is going to benefit from it. But in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, pray la so that you will be pleased, so that you will be satisfied. What does this mean? This means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, without this prayer, you cannot take the difficulties of this life. Without reminding yourself of the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, without having a deep connection with us, life is going to be too difficult. The burdens are going to be too heavy for you to carry on your own. You read this in Surah Al-Muzzammil, if I'm not mistaken as well, right? Forgive me. We are going to send down upon you, Ya Rasulullah, a heavy speech, right? So because of this, when nighttime falls, come and speak to us. When nighttime falls, build that relationship with us. Because if you don't, the difficulties are going to be too many. Moving on from this verse, uh, we're going to move on to verse 27. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this, If you find these people, they don't care about our message, they're not worried about anything, they disobey us and they walk on earth as if everything is fine, it's because of this. The problem with these guys is that they have fallen in love with immediate pleasures, with immediate results. يُحِبُّونَ الْعَاجِلَةِ الْعَجَلَةِ You know, like we say, Allahumma عَجِّلْ لِوَلِيَكَ الْفَرَجِ It means that these guys have fallen in love with the immediate things, the things that will come fast. Right? عَجِّلْ meaning hasten. The things that come very quickly, which is the pleasures of this world. Pleasures of this world are like this. You work for a couple years, you get a good job, and then what happens? Naturally, you make the money that you were looking for. يُحِبُّونَ الْعَاجِلَةِ They have fallen in love with this immediate world. And they are putting behind themselves a very heavy day. Now, the Quran refers to the Day of Judgment with a number of different names. <clears throat> we know this, right? Yawmul Hasra, Yawmul Taqabun, Yawmul Qiyamah, you know, other names that the Quran uses. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to it as a heavy day, meaning a day where if you're not prepared for it, you cannot carry the burden of that day. Now here's the thing, the beautiful thing. We know that the day of judgment is ahead of them. right? We haven't come to the day of judgment yet. And the Quran says, And they put behind themselves this great day. But the day of judgment is ahead of them. The Quran is trying to say that although the day of, the day of judgment is ahead of them, because they disregard it, it's like they're throwing it behind them. You know, in Salat, when we say takbir, right, some of the scholars have mentioned that one of the reasons why in takbir it is mustahab for you to raise your hands up to your ears, 
right? Is because it symbolizes that you are putting the dunya behind you. You are focusing your attention on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're throwing everything else behind you. Similarly, the Quran is saying, These guys are putting behind themselves this heavy day. This heavy day that's going to come upon them in the future, but because they're dis the disregarding it, because they are ignoring it, the Quran says it's as if they are throwing it behind them. And then he says this, verse 28, What they don't understand and they think that they can get out of our authority. They think that they can escape and elude our authority. What they don't understand is this. We were the ones who created them. And we are the ones that are holding them together right now. Now holding them together, both metaphorically in the sense of their societies and their structures and the relationships that they have, we are holding them together. And also literally in terms of their bodies, their joints, their muscles, their bones, we are the ones who are holding these bodies together. We are the ones who did this. In other words, if we wanted to, they would fall apart in just a second. They don't understand that we're just giving them time and opportunity over and over again to turn away from their wrong paths. They think that they are eluding the authority of God. You know, you've seen sometimes if you have a little child, for example, uh, you know, a group of children maybe that are much younger, and maybe the teacher leaves the room for a second and says, you know what, I'm going to leave the room, right? And when I leave the room, please, you know, nobody look off of one another's papers and, you know, don't discuss the answers and things of that nature. And imagine this teacher goes and sits and from a corner is still watching the class. But some of these students may not know that the teacher is watching. And so they start to discuss the questions with one another and they get the answers and the teacher comes back and acts like he wasn't around. And the kids think that they're very smart. They think that they're outsmarting the teacher or they're outsmarting their parents. Whereas the mom and dad know very well what the child is doing. Yes. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these guys think they're outsmarting us. They think that they are eluding our authority, they don't know every second we are the ones who are holding their bodies together. And this holds true when it comes to you and me when we sin too. Yes, the disbelievers is the biggest of sins that they disbelieve. But you and me also, when we sin and then we carry on with our life as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wasn't there to even see us, as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have power and authority over us, that's kind of what we're doing too. We walk away as if to say that, you know what, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we eluded His authority. Right? He's not as powerful as He says He is. I disobeyed Him and look at me just carrying on with my life. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us that doing tawbah and doing tawbah immediately is so important. Because when you walk around, committing a sin is one thing. But then walking around afterwards, acting nonchalant, acting as if nothing has happened, and not doing tawbah either. This is a very major sin. It's a very big mistake. Because now you're sending the message to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you know what? You know, you probably weren't even there when I was doing this. You know, you didn't even see me doing it. As if he doesn't even exist. Right? As if you're eluding his authority. The Quran is saying, no, when these guys disobey, we, we're seeing them. We are the ones who are holding their bodies together in those moments. They just don't realize it.
We created them. We're the one who's holding them together in those moments, even in those moments when they are disobeying us. And number three, And what they don't understand if that is that if we wanted to, we could have wiped them off of the ground and brought about a whole new group of people. We can do that if we want to. It's not like we're stuck with them. No, we're just giving them an opportunity. As the Quran said at the very beginning, We're giving them an opportunity. We're just waiting to see who's going to take advantage of this opportunity. Otherwise, we're not stuck. We don't need them to obey us. If we wanted to, if they don't obey us, no problem. We'll bring about a new group of people who will obey us a whole lot better. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ma'idah. We know in Surah Al-Ma'idah we have the famous verse of Surah Al-Ayatul uh, Wilaya. The verse where Ali ibn Abi Talib, he goes to Ruku and he gives away from his, uh, his ring as Sadaqah. A couple of verses above that, verse 54, you will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to those who were disbelieving in the Prophet. Because they would disbelieve in the Prophet. And of course at that time, the Prophet still, his power and the power of the Muslim Ummah was not at its peak, which it would reach later on during the time of the Khulafa. But at that time, there were people who would disobey and disbelieve and they would walk around as if to say, yes, Muhammad needs us to believe in him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs us to believe in him. And the Quran beautifully says this. says, Ya amanu. Whoever turns away from this message believes in it and then he starts to turn away from it. Because this was one way they used to threaten the Prophet. That yes, we're all Muslims, but at any moment we might just turn around and leave this religion. The Quran says, Whoever turns away from this message, let them know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring about another group of people. These guys, they're not going to sit there and always have this type of a relationship with God. What are you doing for us? No, يحبهم ويحبونه. They are in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has love and affection for them. A deep connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يحبهم ويحبونه. أذلتن على المؤمنين أعزتن على الكافرين. They are humble when they come to the believers, not like you guys. أعزتن على الكافرين. They are proud when they are dealing with the disbelievers, they, also, they are so firm in their path, they never worry about what people will say about them. Okay, now, this is not to say, brothers and sisters, this is a small point I'm going to make before we move on, is not to say, if you are a believer, you should never care at all what people think about you. This is a common misunderstanding that people have about the religion of Islam. That if you're religious, that means you shouldn't care at all what other people think about you. No. In fact, the Prophet cared what other people thought about him. Ali ibn Abi Talib cared what people, other people thought about him. Not in the sense that they would change their values. No, the values they would not compromise on. But if they could explain themselves in a way where people could have a better understanding of them, they would do that. So this understanding of this statement, sometimes you'll see people say this, yes, in Islam, you don't care about what other people think about you. No, this is not a blanket statement. When it comes to your values, you don't compromise on those. Yes, the things you can't change, of course, you don't change those. But smaller things that you can change, things that you can explain, communicate with other people, yes, you should care what people think about you. If someone doesn't know why you're doing something, you have to explain why you're doing it. Nonetheless, the Quran says, if you turn away, 
from Islam, knowing the truth, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not stuck with you. He will bring about a whole group of people who will practice this religion better than you. And this is a message for you and me too. That if I am now been blessed with this uh, blessing of Islam, and I've been blessed even more so with the Shia school of thought, the faith in the Shia school of thought, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not stuck on me and you. He has blessed you, and if you and I don't take advantage of this opportunity, He will pass it along to whoever else He wants to pass it along to. It's not like He needs us to believe Him. No, He has chosen you for a certain reason with these blessings. So you are to take advantage of these blessings. This idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't owe anybody anything, and in fact they owe Him things, is something that the Qur'an even tells us when it comes to the wives of the Prophet. Because we know that amongst the wives of the Prophet, there were those historically who weren't the easiest to deal with. And the Quran touches on it, and Mufassirin have touched on it. And particularly in Surah Al-Tahrim, the Quran speaks about this. That there were some of the wives of the Prophet who at times might make life difficult for the Prophet. And then the Quran makes it clear. The Quran says, listen, if you have been chosen and you have been placed in this situation, don't think you're, you know, some wonderful thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed you in this situation. He has blessed you. He's giving you an opportunity. So either take advantage of the opportunity or don't start creating problems now. And that's a message for you and me as well, brothers and sisters. Either you take advantage of this opportunity or then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will pass it on to someone else. Don't think that you and I were something special. We fell out of heaven. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is only stuck with us. No, there are many others who He can bless with these blessings. The Quran tells the wives of the Prophet, listen, if you're in this position and you're not going to keep in mind the respect of the Prophet, the honoring of the Prophet, عَسَى رَبُّهُ إِن تَلَّقَكُنَّ أَن If you aren't going to go by the rules, Know that he can, the Prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can choose other wives for him if you are creating these problems. And this goes for husbands as well. Yes, anyone, doesn't matter. In this particular case, it was the wife of the Prophet or the wives of the Prophet. That's why we're going with the wives here. So the Quran is making it clear to us, if you find yourself in a blessed situation, if you find yourself in a situation where you can support the cause of Islam, don't sit there and say, hmm, should I do this? Should I not do it? No, it's an opportunity that if you miss out on, you're going to miss out on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not stuck on you. He has other options. He's giving you the blessing to support His message. When people come to us and they ask for charity, when people come to us and they ask for help, when people come to us and they need a little bit of help with this situation or that situation, we sit there and we think God is stuck on us. Like, oh, may, should I help this person? Should I not help this person? God has many ways to help this person. He chose you for that. He chose you for that situation. So either you take advantage of it, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will find someone else to do His work for Him. He's not stuck on you. He's not stuck on me. And this is what the Qur'an says. If you guys aren't going to support the Prophet, no problem. We'll bring about a whole new generation of people. They will support our Prophet ten times better than you will. And it's a message for us as well. When we want to support our religion and our faith and our children and, and the faith that they have, either we take advantage of this opportunity or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will push us aside and we'll have someone else do his work for him, whatever that work is, whether it has to do with our centers, whether it has to do with charity, whether it has to do with helping someone who's down, know that this is an opportunity that has come 
your way. Then the Quran continues, Inna hadihi tathkirah, this is a reminder, faman ila rabbihi sabila. So the path is clear now, and we have reminded you of the path. Whoever wants will take his path towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, whoever wants, they know what to do, and they will act upon the things that we have told them. This was our job reminding you, we reminded you. So whoever wants now will walk towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But, even when you are walking towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can't take credit for the whole thing. Why? Part of it you can take credit for. Part of it you have to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you're walking in the right path again. You say, why? Well, I'm, I'm making the decisions, right? When you decide to do things, your decision and your will, it only plays out within the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So even when you choose the right path, it's His will and your will that is moving in the same direction. He has a portion of that decision as well. You can't sit there and take all of the credit for it because it was Him who allowed this to happen as well. You never will anything, you never decide anything except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decided this. In other words, you can't ever decide anything unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first gives you that free will which He has given to us. So now every time I choose the right path, it's because He has blessed me with this liberty. He has blessed me with this free will. وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا يُدْخِلُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ فِي رَحْمَتِهِ He will have anyone who he wants enter into his mercy. He will shower anyone with his mercy. And when he says anyone, based on the rest of the verse, you will realize very quickly, he's saying everyone. He will have everyone enter his mercy except for one group. وَالظَّالِمِينَ أَعَدَّ لَهُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا But there is one group that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sets aside. The dhalimeen. The one who knowingly turns away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This person, he does not qualify for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The rest of people, يُدْخِلُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ فِي رَحْمَتِهِ Yes, the rest of them, they enter upon uh, under his umbrella of mercy. But this person, no, not this person. The one who fundamentally turns away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This person, he, he does not qualify for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is where Islam draws the line, brothers and sisters. As long as someone has not turned away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this person still has room to benefit from his mercy. The moment this person fundamentally turns away, knowingly, he turns away, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I have nothing to do with him. Now, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wait for him to come back? Yes, he gives him many opportunities to come back. But if he doesn't, this is the person that on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in multiple places in the Quran, that the heavens will never open up to him, that when he turns to us, we will not even look upon him, that when he speaks to us in hellfire, we will say, Don't speak to me, and many other verses of the Quran. This is where Islam draws the line. The one who knowingly turns away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes? But the rest of people who are, by the way, 99% of the people we deal with, if they have shortcomings here or there, they are still within this umbrella of the mercy 
of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For those who remember when we were discussing, we discussed this topic on the 9th of Muharram, uh, not this last Muharram, but the Muharram before, the last Muharram that we had in-person talks. We, we discussed this topic, that as long as someone is in this group or circle of people who has not turned away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fundamentally, this person, when it comes to judging this person, we do not have the right to judge the character of this person. Because this person, he might have shortcomings here or there. He might have not prayed here or not have fast there. Maybe his dress code is not the proper dress code. Maybe, you know, he did this, he did that. This, this is not warrant for us to now judge the whole character of this person. Yes, you can judge the deeds of this person. If someone's not praying, that is wrong. That is not a good thing. Doesn't matter if this person likes it or doesn't like it. It's not a good thing. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has told us. But we cannot then judge the whole character of this person. We can't say because this person dresses in this way, therefore this person doesn't hold any value in the eyes of God. God doesn't like this person. No. The only place where we can draw the line is when a person then leaves the circle of Islam knowingly. Knowingly. If it's unknowing, this person may still very much be beloved in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the case with millions of people around the world who don't necessarily believe in the faith of Islam. Or for example, within the faith of Islam, many people who are from the Sunni school of thought who may not know the truth, this person might very much be beloved. And there's more to be said about this topic. We're running out of time, so I'll end inshallah. More to be said about this topic. But the point I was making is the judgment when it comes to the character of a person, only place you can do that is when a person then is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has clearly told us, this person holds no value in my eyes. Who is that? And the disbelievers, the wrongdoers, the ones who have fundamentally turned away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This person, yes. This person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws the line. Beautifully, in the story of Nuh alayhi salam, when Nuh is building his ship, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala beautifully tells Nuh alayhi salam, وَأُوحِيَ إِلَىٰ نُوحٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to Nuh, أَنَّهُ لَا يُؤْمِنَ مِنْ قَوْمِكَ إِلَّا مَنْ قَدْ آمَنْ There's only a small group of people who are going to believe in you, and no, more, no one else is going to believe in you. Okay. And then he says this, وَاسْنَعِ الْفُلْكَ بِأَعْيُنِنَا وَوَحْيِنَا So now build your ship in, in our presence. We are watching you as you build your ship. وَلَا تُخَاطِبْنِي فِي الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا and those who are amongst the ظالمين, meaning those who have turned away from your message fundamentally, knowingly. Do not speak to me about them. This is where I draw the line. Okay, now you might say, well, this is harsh. You're drawing the line. This person holds no value in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, the Quran tells us this person doesn't hold any value. But how many, what percentage of people do you think fall under this category? I would argue maybe less than 1%. But this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws the line. And the people we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, 99.9% .9 of them don't fall under this category. Which means that then I don't have the right to sit there and say, this person, oh, God doesn't care about him. God doesn't love you because you missed your prayer here or you missed your fasting there or you dress in this way or you had this you know, relationship or this or that. That you and I don't have that right and we will be held accountable if we make that type of judgment about the character of a person. A particular deed, yes, a particular deed might be haram. It's haram, doesn't matter whether this person likes it, doesn't like it, it's haram. Yes, missing your salat is haram, whether you like it or not. But I don't have the right to now judge the whole character 
of this individual. الظالمين, that's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala draws the line. From that point onwards, yes, this person, he does not hold any value in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With that, inshallah, we'll bring the tafsir of this surah to an end. Thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for tuning into another episode of the Tafsir Treasures podcast. I hope that this episode was another step for all of us to coming closer to having a deeper understanding of the Quran and the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you would like to stay updated on the courses, the presentations, or the other podcasts that Mizan Institute is offering, you can always follow us on the major social media platforms on Facebook, on Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can always refer to Mizan Institute's website, which is mizaninstitute.org. Finally, if there is any feedback, feel free to leave a review for the podcast, or you can always message us directly on any of these platforms so that we can benefit from your feedback for future projects, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.